Hello and welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. This is a special Survivor edition. Brent and Al back Hello. today. We back. Once again, uh, reviewing a season for you in depth. We are going to be talking about Survivor Africa. We've made it through season three. That's right. We've built our doma. What are those things called? I don't know. The Oh, the, the little circular fence thorny structure yeah. that keeps out the lions. Yeah. 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 We're inside ours. We're inside ours. We are protected <laughs> from the elements. No lions will uh, jump and kill us. Um, hopefully. Uh, so uh, anyway, let's uh, let's start with uh, talking about the concept. So we, here we are. We've we've done two very successful seasons of Survivor. Hugely successful at this point. Yeah, I mean Australia. The the premiere of Australia was one of the most watched episodes ever, and uh, everybody got wrapped up in the whole Tina or the whole Colby and Jerry of it all. So uh, this was. That was the smash hit where everyone was like, reality TV can work. Mm-hmm. I, I think, if I remember correctly. And that's also where Survivor stopped being a game, or started being a game, really. Like, I think a few people in Borneo realized it was a game, but Australia is where everybody who showed up thought, this is a game, I'm trying to win a game. Whereas I think a lot of people at Borneo were just like, I'm on reality TV. I'm on. I want to be a star. I want to see if I can. Yeah. Uh, this is a survival experiment. Mm-hmm. I can last thirty days on a beach. Right. Forty days on a beach. Yeah. Um, they thought of it more as a of a contest to see who might be best at surviving and building a society. Yeah. So here we are in season three. The CBS decides to go to Africa. They've gone to Borneo. They've gone to the tropical islands. They've gone to the you know. Australian outback, so it makes sense to go to, you know, somewhere wild and dangerous like Africa. Yeah, I think there was a, a feeling of why mess with success, even though the show was still, you know, fairly new. Um, we are going to be this globe-trotting show that brings the world and different places in the world into your living room, while at the same time having these this slice of life, you know, of contestants compete for a million dollars doing it. So, like, what's next on the checklist? Let's go to a whole new continent. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Africa. And this was when the show was still largely about, like, people going on adventures and, like, seeing, like, it was a big deal. The Africa of it all, the Australia of it all, was a big deal to the contestants. I mean, right. Colby got to go uh, help destroy the Great Barrier Reef, you know, in Australia. And... uh <laughs> You know, here, people probably think, I'm going to get to go see some lions and yeah. elephants and stuff like that. And so I may get to shoot one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think there's one guy who was secretly hoping for that. So, uh, also, I will say this about production, too. This is when, it's fairly early on, when they start trying to keep the show from getting stale as far as gameplay goes. Because you had season one and the pagonging. And then season two had basically two tribes both realize, okay, we need to try to pagong one another. And one tribe wins out in that respect, and the other one just sort of lays down and dies. This season, we have our first game twist. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, the you know, Survivor's planning to shake things up um, to keep players from just being able to use the same exact strategy every season. So... Props to them for that, uh, for planning ahead in that regard. If it was planned ahead, I don't know. They could have just drawn it up that morning and had probes go out and uh, um, 
do yeah, the switch. No, no, but, no, no, it seemed calculated. But, you know, now the Trob switch is just such a common part of, I mean, it's expected every season. Yeah. It is a routine. And this is, the, the Trob switch dates back to here to season three. Um, do you think this season succeeds, more or less? I think it has really high aspirations and high, like, an ideal of, well, we can't really mess this up. And it kind of messes it up. Um, I don't, I think that the, like, grandeur and glory of Africa of it all, really the big picture, like the forest sort of, um, clouds the actual trees in the forest. They can't mm-hmm. see the trees for the forest. Yeah. It is a grand idea and a big idea, but actually the nuts and bolts of making it work don't really, it doesn't really fully come together in part because they don't pick a great place for them to be. Right. Yeah. I think the Africa concept is good. It's just one that's hard to make work. And I think they probably realized that while they were out there. And it was just too late at that point. Um, because you're right, they have to... I mean, these people would have all been killed if they weren't fenced in by this six-foot-tall... Pile you know, of thornbrush. Thornbrush, which honestly, I still wonder if a, if a lion really wanted to get in there. It probably could. But um, it's... Uh, yeah, between that and also the watering hole, which is just a, where elephants go poop. <laughs> yeah and they yeah. have to go get poop water and boil it and you know yeah make it clean and like filter it through a shirt i think is what they're supposed to do and they're that's what they're drinking and it's not i, I think there's i don't know i think this season might have made it a little too unglamorous yeah it suffers from like what happens in the symptoms of of the problem end up being like that there's nowhere really for them to escape and like strategize. So they're all sitting around laying around the same tree and everyone can overhear everyone sort of talking to each other because they can't really go anywhere other than the four mile track to get water. Mm -hmm. And the other problem is, is that survivor is a game that's played on played in like, this is the first time they came across the challenge of this. Survivor is a game played over whispers. Mm-hmm. And you can't have the camera and the micro boom mic up and getting someone's whispers and also showing them in a in a glorious background. It just can't happen that way. So the walk and talks just look like they're walking over a grassy flatland mm-hmm. in the middle of could be anywhere it could be i don't know it you know a field outside your house you know right um but they so you can't really show the both those things at once there are only a few times when they can show the characters immersed in the africa of it all yeah yeah and this is also the season where they do realize they need to get back to the beach after this season is over yeah and you, so. I mean, six of the next seven are go back to the beach somewhere. Yeah. Um, only the Amazon is out of the next seven is not on the beach. A beach somewhere. Right. But it also has, it at least has that tropical feel to it. You right. Know, where you can get the, the, all the cute girls you, you cast 
They'll be in their bikinis and whatnot. Eating peanut butter. Eating peanut butter. Be out of their bikinis eating peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> but we'll save that for the Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, hello. Uh, all right, let's go through the cast here. We're going to go in order of boot. So we're going to start with, so basically just a quick rundown of what they brought to the season, if anything, why they lost, and if they had any you know, notable moves along the way. Let's start with Diane Ogden, the first one out of Africa. Diane uh, brought to the season, uh, she nearly died and no one seemed to care in that challenge. And then uh, she <laughs> she got the whole Clarence and the cherries thing. No, oh. not the cherries, beans. Yeah, beans. The yeah. beans. She was had to basically be carried back from a challenge. Clarence decides, hey, you should eat something. But also Clarence is hungry too. So he decides I should eat something. So so while everybody else goes to the watering hole, Clarence stays back, takes care of Diane. Uh, they share a can of beans, and uh, Clarence gets maligned for this. And then uh, Diane, because hey, she was almost dead. Well, they decided to vote her out out of mercy. I think more than anything, she was the weakest link. Yep. Um, quick aside, what she brought to the table, she brought the Guy Fieri visor hair. Like, yeah, <laughs> so great. She also got them lost on their way to find their camp in the first episode. Yeah, she doesn't bring a whole heck of a lot. Yep. She's a physical, has physical limitations. She's the weakest link. They vote her out for that. She does fight for her life by throwing Clarence under the bus at Tribal. Yeah. I tend to think the truth is somewhere in between what the yes. both of them are saying. Yes. Um, he, I don't know. He, I, my guess is he was really hungry and also thought this lady needs some energy. I can kill two birds with this one. Well, I can eat, and there's a good way to pass this off. Yeah. Yeah. So she brought that. At least she fought for it. You know, I'll give her that. But uh, not a lot to say about Diane. All right. Also from Baran, uh, Jesse Camacho goes out next. So Jesse is, uh, if you've heard of Island Hot, where the uh, being on Survivor for a few days or weeks makes people start looking more attractive, Jessie is whatever the opposite of that is. Yes, she is island not. The African elements did not agree with her at all. She's a beautiful police officer from Florida who <laughs> showed up and immediately her face was covered in scabs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Here's mean, what, for me, what she brought to the table. I, for the first time, wondered while watching her on television why when you get dehydrated your body wants to throw up fluids. I just went, hmm, I wonder why that is. That's about it for Jesse for me. Yeah, Jesse uh, really struggled uh, with the elements, and that's pretty much it. Uh, next, we have our first boot from Samburu. Uh, Carl Belancione. Sure. Carl. Wait, is it Italian? I think you say the E. Belancione. 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 Carl. Uh, so he's a dentist, right? From Florida? Yes. Yeah, he's a dentist who... Uh, but he's, he's from Florida, but he's, he's definitely a New Yorker. He's, uh, yeah, he wears a Yankees cap? Is yeah, he wears a Yankees cap. He talks okay. about his... Uh, this is a classic uh, in the early seasons. Now, see, Carl, I think, played the game too early. Carl would have been a great goat in future seasons. Oh, yeah. Um, because he shows up, and on day one, it's talking about how he drives... A, is it a Porsche? I think it's a he Porsche. He brings up the Porsche, Porsche after multiple questions about it. Yeah. I think he says, yes, that's one of my cars. Yeah, so nowadays, or not maybe not nowadays, but at a certain point in time, survivors would see, would hear that and say, ooh, I can take him to the end with me, and no one's going to want to give him a million dollars. But in yeah. the in season three, they see him as 
this guy doesn't deserve a million dollars. He doesn't need a million dollars. So why should he play? Yeah, but it's also like it's easy to vote somebody out like that. It's that's that's it's hard to get somebody like that to the end, and it's easy to agree on someone like Carl going home. Yeah, although they didn't agree, it was a four-four split, right? Or a five-five. It was. Split. Many... It was a four-four split. He goes finally. His tribe loses. They go to a tribal council. It's the old people versus the younger people. Right. And this tiebreaker at the time. Because was previous votes, but no one had any previous votes. So Carl gets booted because they had a quiz about African uh, information or lore or basically the handbook they got before they went out there. And either Carl didn't read it or Carl knows nothing about medicine because uh, <laughs> he gets a medicine question and Lindsay beats him at it. Lindsay knows uh, how to remove a tick. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's about a tick. Yeah, and yeah, it's a good thing she does know that because that will come into play yes. in future episodes um, when Big Tom pulls a tick off her ass. Yeah, but Carl is the the case in point of like other people like took from Carl like I need if any if anyone has any reason to vote me out because of my profession or my wealth I need to come up with a story mm-hmm. and so players future contestants do that but Carl just can't help it and he's like. He thinks it's a sign of his hard work and right. like this is what's paid off. Why should he be penalized for that? Mm-hmm. And so he wears it on his sleeve a little bit. And so long, Carl. I think Carl's the oldest man on this season by three years. Yes, he is. Or by one year. Um, next we have Mother Africa, Linda Spencer. <sighs> so what did Linda bring this season? Um, boy, the... Someone over-embracing the theme of the season, uh, and also a thirst for blood like we've never seen before. They have a blood-drinking challenge, and Linda just gulps it down. Also, they didn't just bring this blood from some other location. Uh, They poke a cow out there, and Jeff goes over like like it's a QT, you know, with his big gulp cup. It just goes and like gets the blood that's just pouring out of the cow and brings it over. He mixes in a little dash of milk and they all have to uh, drink it. It is, uh, he reassures us that it's a very humane uh, process. Yeah. Because it's pretty jarring to watch. But Linda, Linda gets into basically a lot of arguments with the young people on the Samburu tribe, which is, was also a maybe a poorly designed tribe with just four people in their forties and four people in their twenties. And, um, the 20 somethings all split off. They voted out Carl, the 40 somethings all draw a line in the sand as well. And Linda is among the 40 somethings. And so she's, uh, but she's also the most insufferable. Oh yeah. No, no, no. She should be an early boot. No, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a lot of great words to say about Linda. I have some bad ones, if you want to hear them. No. <laughs> she, she I mean, is, there's something... She's that, a bit much. Yeah. There's something about, like, like your experience of it all and what do you want to get out of it and your perspective and her whole take on the Mother Africa thing. She gave everybody, I think, five minutes to take her perspective and make it their own. And when they didn't... She was mad about it. Yeah. And like, I think it's like episode one, two or something where she's like, these people don't understand what this all means. And it's like, 
let them soak it in. She did. I did kind of start coming around on uh, Linda during her boot episode because that's when she has the the thank you to Lindsay and the uh, she also oh, makes when she gaslights Lindsay. Yeah. yeah, when she makes fun of Silas. Also, when Silas takes the knee and gives his football talk to the team, he's like, "Come on, guys! Gosh darn it, we need to win this one." We just need to. We just need to get together, guys. Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh my God, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen on this." Yeah. Linda gives uh, Lindsay the, the uh, she acts like a complete lunatic in front of her, and then asks Lindsay for a hug, and then is and then tells Lindsay she's acting weird when she won't hug her. Yeah. And it's like, but you're acting like a mental patient. Yes. Right now. <laughs> Linda was scary, and and she's like a. One of our early examples of someone who might be a little, like, not just kooky, but kooky on the scary side. Potentially. Maybe. I don't know. She was super gung-ho. She was put into a bad situation, I think. And, like... Um, well, it's not fun when you just know you're going to be one of the first four yeah. out of your tribe. Yeah. Um, and it's... People she didn't know how to react She made the mistake of... You never, even if you have lazy tribe mates, you never want to be the person that tells them in the fashion that Linda tells them. Right. If you pull them aside and you'd be like, hey, you know, let me just one-on-one, let me tell you, you might want to do a little work around here because this is how it's being perceived. No, Linda just says it openly, like at a maximum volume, right to their faces. Yeah. And all of them at the same time. You young people don't know how to work, that yeah. sort of stuff. Well, speaking of the young people, everything's going really great for the Samburu for young people right now. Silas, Lindsay, uh, Brandon, and Kelly. No, uh, Kim. Yeah. And the four of them are uh, running that tribe, and Frank and Teresa are on the bottom. And so, at this point, Silas, in the next episode, decides he's just going to tell... Uh, well, first off, let's, let's go back to when uh, Linda got booted. Before that tribal, Silas tells Linda, Frank, and Teresa... Hey guys, um, it would be good if you could put all your votes on Lindsay because that way you can help us win later. God. And Teresa says, well, what's in it for us? Oh, nothing. That's not the answer to that question. I don't think you've thought this (laughs) through, Silas. So instead, they put all their votes on... Silas. Silas. <laughs> out of out of just being like, you can't tell us what to do. And the reason for this, in case you know listeners aren't sure, is that uh, they past survivor past votes would break ties. So they wanted Lindsay to be the only person that Baron could vote for in case of a tie that they would lose. Right. Uh, but instead, they load votes on Silas. And uh, anyway, so. They get back from that tribal council, and now there's just Frank and Teresa. And Silas has a, a, a lovely quote to the camera where he says, you know, this just shows the maturity level of these older people. I just uh, <laughs> I can't believe they're being so bitter. It's Silas has basically the, uh, the approach of, why won't they just be good losers and lose? Why are they trying to... Why won't they give me what I want? Why won't, do they not know they're here to help me win? Somebody tell them they're here to help me win. Silas is gaming. He, he He's trying. So he has gained control of this four-person alliance, and nothing is going to stop them. They get tree mail then, uh, the next day that says, send three players to meet with Jeff Probst. And so they send... No, Silas sends himself. 
Silas sends himself. He's the ringleader. Along with, uh, he's got to keep an eye on Frank and Teresa. Yep. So uh, come along, and you lazy people can hang out. Yeah. So they go, and then Baron sends Big Tom, Lex, and Kelly. Is that right? Yes. And uh, and yeah. So uh, Probst has a surprise for him. The three people selected are switching tribes, and so they. Silas goes, heads over, and joins Baran with the two people he's oh, been bossing around. The look on Silas's face when that happens. Yeah. It's priceless. It's so good. Uh, it's fantastic. It is uh, It is one of the my all-time favorite, like, uh, fall from graces of a survivor. Although, I wouldn't say grace is where he was at. But yeah. fall he was... Fall from power. Fall from power. He is uh, just... Sitting on top of the world after that, uh, after the Carl vote, and then from the moment he gives them the the, hey guys, just 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 be good team players and try to help us down the road. From that moment on, it is just a free fall for Silas, and so uh, they get to the new their new tribe, which is three old Baron members plus Silas, and then the two people he's been kind of treating like dirt for the last six days, and uh, Teresa. And so Silas is thinking, okay, this is, they still won't flip. This is a tribe game. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're Samburu. And Teresa just walks up to Ethan. She's like, or, or maybe Kim Johnson is who she goes up to. And she says, Frank and I will vote for Silas. <laughs> and so it's, a, I think it's a 5-1 vote. Uh, Silas goes home that night. Maybe we can get into it when we get into the Teresa of it all. But you think that was a mistake? Um... No, because I think Teresa, uh, a mistake for who? Teresa? Yeah. Oh no, I don't. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's good. Silas was. Um, showed them no loyalty. No, and yeah. Kim and Ethan were the types to show lo- loyalty. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, just throwing it out there. I think that. Uh, I th- also I think they threw that challenge. Oh, to that's get, right. To get Silas out. Yeah, that's right. Um. So anyway, Silas is gone. So next up, we have uh, one of Silas's old old mates, uh, Lindsay. Yep. Lindsay Richter. What did uh, Lindsay bring to the season? Um, she was an emotional train wreck. Yes, she was. I mean, Lindsay played hard. I think Lindsay was really good at making an alliance and was really loyal to it. Mm-hmm. Um. L- other than that, though, Lindsay didn't bring all that much. Right. She's. I think she was the linchpin that Kate kept, like, more loudly kept Brandon and Silas connected. Where I don't know if Brandon and Silas would have been connected without her and Kim. She had some. She had some good drama because she would lose control of her nerves a little bit at times and just sort yeah. of lash out. But. Um, she, she would also realize she would also realize that she did and be like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. She like, was a good challenge player. She, was she beat Carl. She was really good at other like physical like things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also for something very important uh, to Survivor in general, she uh, surprisingly had no piercings of any true. kind. Yeah. She which, did have a tick on her butt, which uh, played yeah, which Tom greatly enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, removing, removing, yeah. Um, 
All right, that gets us to Clarence, who we've already talked about in relation to Diane. Clarence is, he made a, a just a, a huge mistake in the early days of the game. Yeah. And then did an okay job bringing himself back from it, but it was just hard to ever recover. Yeah, it was. I mean, Clarence bit his lip and suffered through, like, what everyone had to say about him. And, like, some of the stuff Tom was saying was just a little, well, crossing the line. Yeah. You know? Um, Tom's like, I'd shoot you if I'd had a gun. Yeah. And, like, you, some of the stuff Tom said came from, like, a place of ignorance. Yeah. You know? Um, so... I don't know. Clarence was kind of an enigma. I think Clarence sort of like saw some of the writing on the wall that like I don't know what really Clarence came for. Maybe Clarence came from more of the show than the adventure. Uh, see, I think the other way. I think Clarence wanted the adventure. I think he wanted the um, the I think he wanted the million dollars. I yeah, think yeah, he, yeah. I think he thought it would be a lot of fun to do the challenges to play on play on a team. I think he's a basketball coach so he has a team mentality. Yeah. And um he's a nice guy. He yeah, he, he, got, he got along well with everybody. A nice guy. Yeah. Um he just was a hungry boy and that got him into trouble. And I think he saw the writing on the wall and like he basically it was down to him and Teresa in a challenge and he was fighting for his life. I don't know if he knew it at the time, but his one worst move was letting go of the rope. Yep, and he got played by Teresa. Yeah, yeah. and he was done. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a shame, because he almost made the jury. Uh, that was after the merge. Clarence did make the merge, but not the jury. So now we get to our jury members. Kelly Goldsmith is our first one. She's only 22 during this season. She, she was the youngest girl in this season. It's weird. Her and Kim Pow- Powers, I feel like... Or flipped. Like, Kelly, like, is more, like, mature, like, yes. looking like looking and talking, but mm-hmm. she's, like, t- the youngest. Yeah. And Kim is, like, uh, like six years older than her mm-hmm. and looks like a high school girl. Right. Um, <sighs> Kelly, she gave great, like... Um, Confessionals. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's ends up what Africa had to be, was, like, it sank or swam on its like confessionals almost you know a lot for a lot of it and she was really good at that she was bitingly sarcastic um would just tell you the way that it was she was the antagonist to a lot of things and she ended up by no fault of her own crossing lex so yeah she i think i think that personality is ultimately what cost her because even though she did nothing wrong and was loyal to her alliance, her tribe, she seemed like the most likely culprit to not be. Right. To a few people. And so, I mean, Ethan went along with that too to vote her out. And uh, she's the, she's one of, she's an early case of a, of an alliance flipping on one of its own people mm-hmm. based on distrust. You had other, in Australia, you had, um, you had some of them vote out Jerry before, like, Roger and Elizabeth. But that was just because they just liked Roger and Elizabeth more. This was this was an issue of they thought Kelly might might flip on them, so they took out Kelly. Even though Kelly had no plans to flip on them, as far as I yeah. know. Uh, but she was kind of sassy and more acerbic than most people on the show. Yeah. Um, 
I really liked Kelly Goldsmith. I did too. Yeah, she's yeah. she's a good. She was. Did she ever get to? She never. Got she to never play got to again. play again, which disappointed which was me. Kind of a shame. She's a professor now at a university oh, somewhere. Well, she's good for her. yeah. She's had a very successful career. And definitely, like a game was left, like some was left on the table. You know mm-hmm. that you probably could have like brought her back over other people and yeah. been like, oh, you know. She still got something left in the tank that we never saw. She may have been on the cut list, like the short list for second chances. Okay, I so want to say third she was, chances. She right. maybe in in that mix. Um, well, there's only actually also before Kelly went out, she and Teresa put together kind of a little plan to to flip the game because by that point Kelly had been. She was clear. Wait, Kelly was in on it. Yes. Oh, okay. Kelly. Uh, Basically, had she had already been shunned. I thought Teresa went and told her afterwards. After what? After the vote. No, no, no. Uh, what are you talking about? You, just go, you tell me what you're talking about, and then I'll I'll tell you if I if my brain's working or Teresa, not. Teresa, uh, after Kelly is basically shunned by Lex and told by Lex that I don't trust you. Right. Uh, Kelly's like, well, now I guess I have no option but to oh, go yes. to the old Samburus. Yeah. And she does, and so Teresa, and Kim, and Kelly, and Frank, mm-hmm. and Brandon put together a plan to knock out, forget who they vote for, I think it was Lex. Yeah. So, there's just one little problem with this plan, and that's the worst teammate in Survivor history. <laughs> <laughs> And his name is Brandon. Oh, good old Brandon. And Lex goes up to Brandon and says, hey, Brandon, I'd like to play with you. And Brandon's like, okay. <laughs> and that's it. And Brandon instead votes with Lex to vote out Kelly. And Kim is floored by this. Kelly, so if you remember, Kelly, she had her hopes up. She was not, that's one of the votes where she's not expecting to be necessarily sent home. Her face just drops when Probst reads her name as the, the fifth and deciding vote. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's because Brandon flipped for some weird reason at that moment. Um, which leads us to Brandon. He'll be the next boot. Uh, yeah, so it's like Kelly flopped, but Brandon flopped too. And that's, yeah. Kelly flopped out of necessity. Kelly was right. basically like, like sent out where she's, yeah. you can play by yourself or you can play with Samburu. In Brandon's defense, and like we'll probably get into this more with Teresa, the hand he was dealt at the beginning of the game was Lindsay, Silas, Kim, Teresa, Frank, Carl, and Linda. Linda, yeah. So you have to think like if I go with Lex, he's got the biggest target on his back. This is my route. Yeah. It's not a crazy thought. There's one other issue, and that is Frank. Frank's the reason that this falls apart. It's nothing Frank does, but it's Brandon. It, it is Frank's general attitude towards Brandon that makes yeah, Brandon. Yeah, they'll never be in league together. Brandon would rather lose and cause Frank to lose than At one point, doesn't play he win. ask like, if he can just last one more vote than him? Or something like, I can't believe I'm going out before him. Yeah, I just want to beat him. It's a big thing about his yeah his yeah. season. He doesn't like he hates Frank because Frank hate, hates him, right? Um, Brandon is the next. Although man, it's still it's like 
even even despite his distaste for Frank, that's like that's a sign of what makes someone a bad survivor player is not being able to work with people you dislike to help yourself and to help your alliance. Because at that point, his alliance is Kim, really, and he should be he and Kim should be working together to figure out how to finagle their way to the end. Yeah, um, and they should be roping in Teresa. Yes, and. Kelly. And Kelly. That's a strong four, potentially. Right. And then they could even get rid of Frank. They can get rid of Frank whenever they want. And then you just bring in one more person. Yeah. But instead, he has very short-sighted vision on that and just sort of just, he's like, well, I can't work with Frank. Well, I mean, ever. Frank can't stand gay people and Brandon's gay. Yeah. Um, Brandon also is the reason that uh, Lindsay gets sent home because Lindsay, it's a tie vote with... Uh, Someone they all put their votes on. I forget who they all put their votes on. Um, they all put their votes on Tom. Tom. And Lindsay, Tom had no previous votes. And uh, the Baron folks all knew to put their votes on Lindsay because Brandon was talking loudly about it at camp. Well, also, Lindsay had the most paranoid look on her face for two days. So everyone could see that something was up. Yeah. Yeah. She's the cat that swallowed the mouse. You right. know, she couldn't help herself. Um, but you know, Brandon was um, Brandon was really good in challenges. Brandon was um, he was a loyal teammate to his first alliance for as long as he possibly could be, and then I think Brandon was like I said, he was playing hard and he, saw this as this out. He's a major catalyst for the season only because I think he was just pure poison to everybody he ever allied with. I mean, it was between the Lindsay situation that happened and the flipping on on you know Kim yeah. and everybody, and then he aligned himself with Lex, which was sort of the the breaking point of Ethan and Big Tom being able the, to trust Lex. The first crack. Yeah. In the big boys alliance. Yeah. Because they're thinking like, why did Lex go out and get this extra ally? We were, you know. Yep. It's where Lex starts playing a game outside the game they're all, all playing together. Yeah. So he winds up sort of putting a a he, bullet, a, a little, he, taking a shot at Lex by accident. puts the poison pill in that, there, yeah. That's three unintentional, well I guess one was intentional, right. but two unintentional uh, uh, shots at his... Uh, his alliances. Brandon was just not cut out for this game, I don't think, but he was he was good TV, mostly because in his boot episode, he got to go on uh, a the, the the date with Frank. A, yeah, a, a date to go see. They won a they won a reward challenge together, which by the way, I don't think I've ever seen losers of a reward challenge so excited they lost as everyone else in that cast was to see Frank and Brandon have to go on a reward together. And the reward, oh my God, out of all rewards it could be, they got to go watch Out of Africa together and eat popcorn together. In adjoining Lazy Boys. Sit, have a little date. Um, and it was the most weird, bizarre thing. Um, so yeah, Brandon, uh, it was, he was pretty good TV, but not, not great at the strategy of the game, I don't think. Next we have Frank, speak of the devil, who outlasts ah. Brandon by three days. Frank is a truly weird uh, casting choice. 
he's a I would just I would say he's a dream cast. He's oh. so ideological. Yes. That you know he can't help himself. Right. But what comes out of his mouth. Like they must have just been like, is this real? Do we is this real? Someone it's like someone if you made a robot and just wrote him and just programmed him to be, to be like, okay, super right wing. Yes. Um check. Uh very set in like uh you know here it's his list of ideologies right and this robot cannot deviate from them in any way yes believes in hard work mm-hmm. can't stand and anyone who doesn't believe in that that and will has something to say about it and kind of an alien too when it comes to like human interaction because when yes. at the merge feast they're all they're all playing they decide to play a little drinking game where it's like uh, never have i ever and uh, oh somebody's my God. like never have i ever uh, one person says, never have I ever had sex in an airplane, where Teresa, our flight attendant, our lovely flight attendant from Georgia, she's like, I have, and she <laughs> takes a swig of wine, because oh this God. was all this was all pre-9-11, yeah. the wild days of uh, of air flight, um, but uh, Thanks, Obama. The, uh, Frank, it gets to Frank, and there's like, say something that you've never done, and he's like, I've never broken the promise of a handshake. Oh. And every the whole thing is just like everybody's like, cool, okay. Yeah. And next, next Frank up. Buzzkill, ladies and gentlemen, he's the ultimate Buzzkill. But, but he is also the guy who, other than maybe more than Linda, really connects with Africa. Yeah, he I loves the wildlife. So. Well, I will say at one point he doesn't know what country he's in. That's true. Because he says, you know, that's the problem with this country. We have a bunch of people who have a sp- silver spoon shoved up their ass or something like that. And I'm like, he knows he's in Kenya, right? He's <laughs> not in the United States of America. Uh, Frank also um, doesn't know what brunch is. And Kim Johnson has to what explain. Is brunch? What is brunch? It's, it's literally, that's a joke, though. Come on. He's just making this up to make. He is the kind of person who <laughs> acts like it's incredible to like know these kind of things and for some reason knowing what brunch is makes you a bad person yeah so he makes himself to be out to be a more wholesome person by acting stupid about things that are bourgeoisie like because brunch is not for blue collar people yes so how could i ever knows what brunch is i don't know no i do come on i've been to brunch with him <laughs> okay. Frank though he I mean it, it you would love to have him on your tribe because he's not going to win and he's going to build the camp in the first 3 days and get you all set up, you know where the water is, you know how to filter it because Frank's telling you god dang it how to do it, dad nabbit and mm-hmm. all that stuff and then you vote him out after you realize how to survive. Yeah. Perfect for that. Frank just lasts longer, you know. Uh, boy, I would guess CBS would have wanted him to even last longer, you know, just, I don't know, maybe not. After a while, when Frank has no skin in the game, he becomes just this morose, like, zombie. Yeah. Also, he just, his boot episode, too, is where he starts just going off about, like, uh, like, 
yeah. liberals and everything. How everybody else's ideologies crap. And yeah, and that's when and Teresa's yeah, like, she's like, politics. she's like, we're trying to, I'm trying to make this work, Frank, could you please stop? And also, it's really heartbreaking when Teresa has to vote out her longest ally in the yeah. game. Because she's it's, like, he needs to go. He's it's like a mercy kill. He's run out of gas. He yeah. can't do this anymore. He is just poisoned to everything now. So, yeah. Uh, but she is just in tears as she gets back from the voting booth. Yeah. And it's it's it's, it's hard to watch. Um, next we have Kim Powers, uh, the last standing member of that power alliance from Samburu of the 20-somethings. Um, she was always, I think, the one of the four that was just sort of just along with them. Not really... Uh, I don't think she was ever a driving force behind that. I don't think she probably had an issue working with older people. Um, she just connected with Brandon a lot. I think she ends up like connecting with most people and mm -hmm. like some like it's a little more her relationship with Lindsay is a lot more difficult for her than her relationship with Tom ends up being. But, she loves Tom. Yeah, but like she is just she's the person who gets far in this game because she is really likable. She um, she's you know, she she's just a. As one person is a turd in a punch bowl to have around camp, like Frank, she's the complete opposite. She's mm -hmm. a joy to just be around. A very pleasant person. Yeah. Um, she loses mostly just because she's just on the wrong side of the numbers at that point. Yeah. Mostly because Brandon, the Brandon flip loses the game for Kim, more or less, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. She runs out of allies. I mean, that's the answer for a lot of people in this cast. Why did they lose? Because Brandon screwed up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next, we have uh, Teresa Cooper from Jackson, Georgia, a flight attendant. T-Bird. Um, what about Tia? How do you feel? This Final Five is where I think it really ramps up the quality of this cast. Yeah. I I mean, T-Bird's an all-timer for I me. I love T-Bird. I mean, T-Bird, I would say, um, oh, other than, like, T-Bird, this may be the first... You can correct me if I'm wrong, but this may be the most well-played but unsuccessful try to play from the bottom that Yet. we've seen in a long... It, it, so far, yes. yes, in Survivor. Yes. She does really well. She's almost a revolutionary player in that way. She's the first person to not just stand by and take it from the bottom. And she's one correct decision from Kim Johnson away from being in the final three. Or, honestly, I think Brandon's flip... I think if Brandon doesn't flip, Teresa might be our winner from Africa. Yeah. I think there's a very good chance of that happening. Yeah. Um, Teresa is, um, she is kind of the first example of a scrambler. Yes. And she does all the right things. She casts her vote for, she casts, throws in this just random vote for Lex on the, like merge. The Clarence vote. The Clarence vote. And she realizes that Lex will not be able to take it. Mm hmm. And boy, is she right. And it actually has really nothing to do with Lex. She just, uh, well, I mean, it does, but she she's not trying to get Lex out. She doesn't think Lex is going to go home. She said she wouldn't vote for Clarence. She likes Clarence. Right. And so she says, she, I got, I'm going to vote for someone else. Who can I just sort of mess with? And boy, and that Lex's, little pinprick turns into a gaping wound because I mean, he can't get over it. Right, and he's the guy, with, he's in control of the game, kind of, and that's yeah. his sort of thing, is he's he's Mr. Control of this game, and that was out of control. Having that one random vote for him out there was too much, and it winds up kind of Blowing. collapsing his game. Yeah. Um, 
she is also just delightful to watch on on camera. Not only is she like good at the game, but she is also just a great character too. Yeah, love Teresa so much. Yeah. Um, also, like Tom's reaction to when he joins tribe, the tribe with Teresa, he's just like, you know, my wife. I'm just she knows I'm just a man, flesh and bone, and uh, <laughs> Teresa, she's pretty nice to have around to look at. It's like. Uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Teresa just, by the time she's on her way out, it's kind of done and over at that point because yeah. there's no way she's going to pull any of the guys. She's exhausted all her options. When mm-hmm. the people she tries on, I think you can just go down the list, she tries to flip Tom and it doesn't work. She tries to... And Tom's sh- the best shot, I think. She tries to... F- Flip Kim, and mm. then she tries to flip Kim multiple times, and realizes Kim is not the best shot because it's like her brain's not working. And then on her parting shot, is she tells Lex that Tom told her to vote for her. She she tried to make the move when at the appropriate time, which was during the Kelly vote. Yeah, that's when she should have tried to make the move, and she did. And it just uh, one person went rogue, and yep, and and that's that's how it fell apart. But God, I love T Bird. Um. So then we were left with the the Buran Four, the four people who were the original alliance. That, this is uh, the original alliance plus Kelly was the other member, right? Yes, yes. So it was um, originally a five, but Lex had to get get Kelly out. So you have you have Kim Johnson, the fifty six year old retired teacher. Then you have Tom Buchanan, Big Tom, the goat farmer, Lex Vandenberg, the marketing manager, and Ethan Zahn, the professional soccer player. And so I think the plan was for the three guys to go to the end together. Oh, totally. It's just right here, Kim Johnson suddenly just starts winning the last two immunity challenges. Yes. And throws a wrench into all the plans. Um, first, they take out Tom. Ooh, yeah. Which I think is a good move because I think Tom might have won. Tom was absolutely likable, yes. And uh, let's just focus on Tom then for a second. I mean, what didn't he bring to the season? Another casting just dream. He was just a a comedic force oh. for this entire season. It's I it's un I don't know. I'll try to describe it. It's indescribable. I mean, he is just he he's like a he's a show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's his own show. He's also like sort of lost in time too to that to that era because. You put Tom on in 2020, and people are going to have serious issues with Tom. Yeah. Uh, because Tom's a pervy old goat farmer. Yeah. And he, you know. A slack-jawed, pervy goat farmer who's... He, he signs up to help bathe Kim Powers in the... Gladly. You know, gladly. Yeah. She's, uh, she, you know, he's pouring buckets of water down her, her bikini top. Yeah. Not against her will or anything, no, but uh, Tom lives life to the fullest. But yeah, he's and everyone there loves Tom, and so you know I, I think in the you know the face of season thirty nine and whatnot, that is the difference is that that people do kind of welcome the attention from Tom because there's something well, there's charismatic one about one person who Tom grows grows. It, they are done with the Tom shtick at the end, and we'll get to it in the finale. Oh. Yeah, Kim. Yeah, yeah. Kim's never been too fond of the Tom shtick. You can no. tell. Um, 
But uh, well, Tom told her one too many times that she was bathing in elephant shit. Yeah, was an idiot. Um. Then we have Lex, the person who probably or seemed to, based on the edit, control most of the game as far from a strategic standpoint. Yeah. But Lex, Lex just reached a little too far in this game. Lex played as the hardest game of anyone out there. Yes. Lex tried to play the perfect game. Um, Lex, I think. I mean, you could, there's a case he made is Lex was one like flu bug away from winning it. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes into the final challenge and he's sick to his stomach. And yeah, and no, the final challenge wasted, is just wasted. like the final challenge is just stand here in this spot for as long as you can, yeah. and he has diarrhea. Yeah, he's been up for a, a 24 hours with diarrhea. It's completely dehydrated and has no strength left. Yeah, and he does as and he finishes second. Mm-hmm. You know, he does as good as he can. Yeah, um, but. He almost pulls it off with the, even with the mistakes he's made. You know, mm-hmm. Lex was uh, uh, much like Rich. Lex had a game plan coming into the game that I don't think other people had the the level of plan he had, mm-hmm. and he almost damn pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh... It's a it's a strong season. He also he wins the car. Yep. He uh, he wins a lot of. He challenges. becomes a, sort of a, a challenge beast of the season. Um, this season really didn't have a, a, a truly dominant player, but I think Lex is probably the closest. And he may not have gotten the moments like the moments that sort of like the away from the game moments that CBS wanted to do to show like the survivor of it all, like, or where we went to Africa, mm-hmm. like the Ethan and him visit the village and get to, you know, barter with things and play with kids and all, but he's there for all those moments. You know, he you know, gets the, all the experiences. And we, we talk about how Ethan, you know, Ethan brings up that he does, he's not sure if he can trust Lex uh, mid season when Lex is like pulling in Brandon and basically, yeah. uh, Trying to be the godfather of the game, and um, but I don't think that actually is what causes him to lose. I think the reason he loses the game more than anything is that I mean it it comes down to Kim's decision, and Kim just didn't like him as much. She I, likes Ethan, yes. Well, so he's less likable. I think that's where it starts to fall. His game starts to fall apart. He starts to play for for Brandon. When they're coming in with like the um, Frank vote or whatever, mm. and Lex wants to vote for Frank, and they're like, "Frank's a, like a zombie at this point. We need to get out Brandon," and he starts fighting for him. And then they realize there's something, you know, there's something rotten in Denmark here. Lex has not only talked him into flipping, but now Lex is trying to play this other game, and so that's where the gloves came off between him, Ethan, and Tom. More so with him and Tom, whereas Ethan just let them fight it out. The uh, Lex also is responsible for my most irritating thing of the season, which is they used to do this back in the day in Survivor when he would just walk up to Clarence when Clarence was about to go home, and he'd say, I'm just going to tell you man-to-man, we're voting for you tonight. And I just, I respect you. And I'd just be like, oh, He's go play eat, eat a bag of dicks. You, He's... Playing really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You just, I mean, I re- I'm telling you this because I respect you. Also, you know who really hates that? Production. Let's say he wins the final thing. Mm-hmm. Let's do a what if here. He, he takes Ethan. 
He takes Ethan? Um, yeah. He doesn't take Kim. I think all those guys were wanting to take each other. Wow. Ethan spoke about like how he wanted to, to go up against the best. That was a big thing back then. Oh. And I think Lex was in the same boat. He, his buddy was Ethan. Kim was sort of the fourth in there in that. Hmm. And I don't think people thought about goats back then. Because hmm. Kim is a classic. She's you think the, Lex wins? Over Ethan? Over either. Well, Lex definitely beats Kim. Um, sorry, my stupid house robot thinks I said her name when I said Lex. Um, sorry, I don't know that, but I do have a skill you might like. Hey, it's called stop. stupid cat jokes. <laughs> no. no. Who knew that was her skill? It's not number one on her skill list. Stupid cat jokes. We're leaving that I in. Absolutely you leaving like that in. Stupid cat jokes. So anyway, Mr. Vandenberg, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> I really don't know because you've got Kim, Kim's voting for Ethan. Okay. Big Tom, I don't know. Um, Teresa's voting for Ethan. Yeah. Kim Powers is up in the air. Well, Brandon and Kim Powers are voting for Lex. Brandon's voting for Lex, especially after Ethan answers his question at Final Trouble. Frank? Probably I voting see. for Ethan. Although Lex was kind of... He, he kind of was rude to Frank a little bit. So, yeah, I think Frank might vote for Ethan. So I think it really just comes down to Kim Powers' <coughs> vote. See, I think Lex takes Kim. She, he might. Yeah. He's got a shot to win. Anyways, um, you know, there's the Lex of it all. Yeah, so... Uh, he had a, he had a great shot to win, and it just it just he was a really out. good player. And guess what? He comes back because he was a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have the final two of Kim and Ethan. Kim is of the first three seasons the closest we've seen to a goat in the final two. Although she did win the last two immunity challenges. Yeah, and so, got two votes and out she of got, seven. She got two votes. One was a spite vote. Yeah, uh, but the other was an earned vote. She earned Kim Powers' vote with her. Uh, final travel. Uh, but Kim this season is mostly just sort of there. I mean, she's a liability early on in the season, and she's she's about to go home when... Uh, in fact, she is saved by them throwing the... Uh, the Silas one. Or no, no, no. She's part of that. She's part of that to vote out Silas. So I'm not. Uh, there's yeah, a, there's a point. When she, there's a point when she's points. the likely boot, right. and something bails her out, and yeah. um, and so she just kind of coasts the rest of the way. Well, it's the it's the Diane and Clarence beans of it all. Yeah, I think. So um, I mean, Kim's Kim's the story of I'm 56, and I didn't know if she, I could do this. She's got and money. I've done this. Oh yeah, she's the waspy lady from Oyster Bay, New York. Yeah, you she, know, she lives a pretty privileged life, you can tell. And um, but she hangs, she hangs in there and wins challenges uh, as a fifty-six-year-old retired teacher. So uh, good on her. But that brings us to our champion, Ethan's on. Thoughts on Ethan? Ethan is. Let's see. What are we supposed to? Okay, the winner. What is the description of their winning game plan or strategy? Ethan is a politician. Yeah. Ethan is a is his goal is to be well liked. Yep. His goal is to be a good guy who can win the game because he wants to be what you know. A lot of people back then thought Richard Hatch was sort of a villain. Yeah. 
and Ethan wants to be a hero who can win. Um, Doesn't win a lot of challenges. He only wins two challenges, yeah. individual ones. Um, goes on a memorable reward where he is uh, he sells a goat mm-hmm. in a local village, and he's hoping that they'll use the goat for, uh, I don't know, something other than what they use it for because the guys who buy it from him walk the goat directly into a butcher shop <laughs> across the street <laughs> to sell it for more money. Uh, but then he winds up playing hacky sack with some little kids out in Africa, and it's really cute. And, and it's uh, life-changing for Ethan. That's what happens on on the show, mm-hmm. and he talks about it and lives it afterwards. Mm-hmm. He kind of walks into his final travel having already won, and honestly probably walked in with a chance to win 7-0 or 6-1 and winds up winning 5-2. So. And I think Ethan really... I think how Ethan won is he spent the time cultivating relationships with the people who would take him to the end Mm -hmm. and also vote for him in the end and he didn't care about the rest. Like him and Brandon basically talked about how Ethan didn't even give, give, there was like no chance of getting to know him, Mm -hmm. but it didn't really matter to Ethan because he already had five votes. Yeah. So why spend the time? Let me spend the time with the five people who I need them to vote for me Mm -hmm. and let me solidify the winning part he also he was very perceptive he was quietly perceptive you know Mm -hmm. he would he he asked that great question uh, when when brandon voted with lex and them and he said okay brandon's loyalty is to lex not to this alliance yes so why you know when when lex is immune later brandon's not going to vote with us necessarily Brandon's going to vote for whoever Lex tells him. That's probably where he wins the game, is constantly re-solidifying the original alliance they had Mm -hmm. and knowing when he could give up on, knowing that he could let Lex and Tom fight with each other because they're finally at the Final Four. So it didn't matter at that point. He also built a great relationship with Teresa, too. And he built a great relationship with Kim because Kim never wavered. As many times as Teresa... Yes. Many times as Kim Johnson... Teresa came to Kim Johnson and said, your move is to flip. Can't you see it? The guys are going to win this game. One of these guys is going to win this game. And it's like talking to a board. Well, the reason is because I think because Ethan had solidified the relationship with her to the point where she's like, that's not my best option. My best option is going with Ethan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, uh, it's a social game, I think, more than anything, but it was also decent strategy. Like, I don't think he made any real strategic errors other than uh, assisting Vandenberg in voting out uh, Kelly. I think that was where that alliance made a, an error. But um, other than that... But that was part of his strategy, though, was to let, I think, the, the to let, wallpaper... To let, kind to let of, Lex be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that just makes be sense. in the background, yeah. you know? He's and the good cop. Yeah, he's the good guy. Oh, there's Ethan. I love mm-hmm. Ethan. You know, oh, the only Lex. time the only I don't time really he, like him today. The only time Ethan lost his cool was over Clarence's eating at the beginning. But he came to it with a totally different thing than Tom did. Yeah, right. Ethan you know? was like he was reasonable, and he said, "This is why this is you know this is why we're upset." And he was yeah. frustrated. And he was and like, "You, could you see know, it. come on, man, you can't do that." Right. You know. Um, also, after. 39 days, Tom didn't know how to spell Ethan's name when he voted for him at the end. <laughs> e- E-A-T-H-E-N is who Tom voted for at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ethan's a 
I think he's a good winner. I think he's... Uh, it's not flashy. It's not flashy, and that's why it's hard to He's He's really likable. He's, like I said, he only won two challenges of the immunity challenges. He doesn't go on some great uh, challenge run. He doesn't... There are no idols, so he doesn't go on any idol run. They... He's not the one, the mover and the shaker like Lex is. He's not the dancing bear from like uh, Chuck E. Cheese like Tom is. You know, he's he's just sort of in the background, but he's a super nice guy. You know. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, as the cast as a whole. How would you grade it? I would rate this cast fairly high. Mm-hmm. I think like after you cut out maybe two or three people. Like, you're getting something out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's the the two sick people at the start. And yeah. then, um, I mean, Kim Powers isn't a... a Carl's a, not great, but... And Kim's not a super memorable character, but... She's memorable for the moment she has with other people. Yeah, but she... Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a really good cast. It's a deep cast. It's a deep cast because I remember a lot of the pre-jury boots. Yeah, and even the ones that are duds are completely kooks. And so yeah. it's like the Franks, the Lindsay. Silas's, the Lindsay's of them all. They're just like, what, what the heck is this? Linda. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a great cast because you get so much mileage out of all points of the season. Yeah. Um, it's sort of Peter's at the end when it's not the greatest 3-2-1 ever, but it's a really good 5-4. Yeah. When, uh, let's go back to Ethan real quick. How what did you think of his final tribal council performance? Well, I think it was... It's he, kind of bad. Yeah, it's not great. They had it locked up. And yes. so he could make mistakes, and he made them. Yeah. And I don't know if he was really getting Brandon's vote. Like, Brandon's a little hinky about what he's saying there. You know, yeah. like, oh, I asked you this question, and all you had to do was say Frank or something. And you said me. And, you know, I, I don't know. But the point is, he... If he says Frank, he might he might cause three people to waver. If he says Brandon, he only causes one person yes. to waver. Yeah. So so he played the cards that were on the table and doubled down on them. Yeah. And didn't worry about what was on the top of the dealers. You know that deck. He's like, I don't want to see that card. So you, Brandon. You know, um, I think he did okay. Like he did all he had to do was basically show up. How about the uh, <laughs> the gameplay of this season? I think it was, I give it kudos. I think it was. It's a big step forward. Yeah. yeah. I think there was some tries to be like innovative, some people thinking about different things in the game. Yeah, you had the Kelly Wigglesworth flip in season one. Mm-hmm. And you had the potential flip in the other one. But you didn't have anything really like the Black Brandon flip in no. this one. And as much as it didn't work out and it blew up in his face and everybody else's face, looking at it from like his angle and Lex's angle, like that was the first time you saw someone like uh, being like, okay, like what's my other, what's my B plan outside of my A plan mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to stick with this alliance. And you, so you have that in the, you know, the Lex part of that is yeah. I can get Brandon to flip. And right. then um, also like, the gameplay, I think I'll bring it back up again. Like Teresa's gameplay, gameplay from the bottom is textbook. Like turned out to be the textbook of how to play from the bottom. It just yeah. didn't work out, right? You know. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, people willing to flip, people 
learning to play from the bottom and uh, people start thinking about, you know, final twos and final threes a little bit. And it's, uh, um, it's a big, st- it's a step forward. I don't know. If, I don't know that it's a huge step forward, but it is a continued step forward. Yeah. So it's also a game <coughs> where I think you start to, okay, there are two people sitting at the, at, at in the end mm-hmm. and you are, you need more than a two person alliance to get you to the end. And as loyal as you want to be, you have to turn on somebody at some time. So, like, you start to see, like, like that be, mm-hmm. like, Tom and Lex explain it to each other. You know, at one point, they're like, well, you know, we weren't all going to make it. Right. You know, so, hey, every man for himself. Yeah, the three guys were always prepared for that. So they were good. They were okay losing, I think. Yeah. Um, because they knew they would get to that point, and and um, two of them, or w- at least one of them, was going to wind up on the jury. Yeah. Let's yeah. get to our awards. Okay. For the Any season. more thoughts on gameplay? Would you? No, other than I thought Brandon was poor at it, and um, he tried, but in a way that really influenced the season. Yeah. Um, like I said, look at look at the hand he and Teresa were dealt. Yeah, it was a pretty piss poor. Hand. Oh, at the beginning, yes. At the yeah. beginning, I still think the Kelly vote was a severe miscalculation because he had a chance. He had a chance to take control of the, or you know, take more control of the yeah. game, and instead, he's the next boot. Um, all right, who's your favorite pre-jury player of this season? Uh, for me, it's got to be Lindsay. <clears throat> I mean, she was just so spectacular. She careened from like just like it was like watching Mania, like someone who's like just in in mania, like, happen on screen. She would careen from just sobbing and be- or beating up a tree or sticks to, like, on top of the world. And ru- uh, it's just and then so she'd go fantastic. Into, then she'd go into rage. Like, they, they clearly had drawn a line in the sand, and they had to vote for somebody. Those other four people had yeah. to vote for somebody. So they just voted for Lindsay. And she gets back from that vote, having four votes on her, and she's like, you do not want to mess with me. Oh, Ooh, you do not even so know what I'm capable of. So <laughs> I mean, I felt for her as the victim of Linda's gaslighting, too. Like, I just had so many emotions for Lindsay. Yeah. You know? It was, she's just so much fun. Yeah. Um, Plus, she got a house dropped on her. Zero percent <laughs> chance of winning this game, Lindsay. Yeah. Or any totally. game. But she is uh, definitely fun to watch. My pick though is uh, is Clarence Black. Um, I love Clarence. <laughs> Clarence, uh, I've had completely forgotten about Clarence and the chickens until I watched. Uh, oh, until yeah. I rewatched this, and, and when he basically just has, I mean, he's his theme of his season is I'm so hungry, yeah. and then they get these chickens, and he's like, "Hey, let's eat the chickens," <laughs> like any normal person would say, and they were just like, "No, they might lay eggs." And after two nights, they haven't laid any eggs. And on the third day, he's like, please, dear God, can we eat a chicken? They're right. Like, Give it one more day. And so he gets up the next morning, and the rest of the tribe is all gathered around the campfire. They've found one egg, one single egg, and they've placed it right in the middle of the frying pan for Clarence to look at when he wakes up. And I love Clarence's reaction. It's like, oh, damn it, man, you got to be kidding me. And he's just so upset. And, uh, and Ethan, I, I love the cutaway to Ethan. He's like, we're not really going to tell Clarence for a little longer, but we've already decided to go ahead and kill the chicken tonight. <laughs> We're going to let him eat the chicken. But uh, he's like, we just want, we just want to like, 
we just want Clarence to uh, struggle with this a little longer. Um, but I liked Clarence. He was a, I liked the way he handled himself after the, after he did <laughs> eat the food. Like yeah. I, he definitely, I think he definitely ate the food because he was hungry and used Diane as an excuse to do that. Um, and it was a mistake. And I think he realized it was a mistake as soon as everyone, you know, erupted. Yeah, he did a really good job of ingraining himself back into the tribe and, yeah. and moving forward from there. And I'm I'm kind of surprised. I thought maybe Clarence might get to play again, but uh, he he is uh, he was a player I, I really liked. Um, Plus the the eye black of it all too. Yes, the the popularized well, his the, war paint, the Bryce Harper war paint before Harper ever did. Uh, who was your favorite? What was your favorite uh, tribal council or or boot or blind side of the season? Okay, um, this is a little bit weird, but um, uh, let me talk myself through talk. Through this. Okay, my favorite tribal council is really is the Clarence Tribal Council, and not really for the tribal council itself, but <clears throat> for the aftermath of the tribal council. This is where Teresa's stray vote lands on Lex, and boy, the shitstorm it causes afterwards. So that has to be my favorite tribal council. It like starts off that whole storyline, which basically becomes the storyline for the next what? two and a half episodes, mm-hmm. Lex can't get over it. It's Kelly. <clears throat> and right. then, boy, the the confessional when Teresa's like, you with me. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. And she almost is, she's like, I didn't know it was going to do this. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, I thought it'd just be fun to take a little jab at him. Yeah. Instead, I've set off a nuclear bomb in our camp. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's just sort of so it's sort of that my association to whatever else came after it. Yeah. Okay. Um, my favorite boot of the season is Kelly, probably for the same reasons. It's because it's the culmination of Lex's uh, yeah. rage, rage and yeah. his his uh, scorched earth policy, his McCarthyism of Africa. Is <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he's just determined to. I shall not be voted for ever. Yeah. Um, also, just because of all the mechanics go into it, it's the most drama over a vote in the whole season, I yeah. think, because you've got a plan that comes together. This is a potentially the first ever plan where people flip and turn a game on its head a little bit after yeah. a t- after one side has uh, established dominance and Brandon undoes it all with just a shrug of his shoulders and be like, eh, to hell with you, Frank. <laughs> that's it. And that's uh, the whole reason why. But man, there's... There's a lot of drama leading up to that. Um, favorite challenge of the season? Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, yeah my favorite challenge of the season is when uh, the producers, there's like, what if we put up a little house and make them move the house up a hill? Would that be fun? Yeah, let's do that. So uh, they, it's a travel challenge, um, and it's like, Life says Legos. And they have to reassemble it in the same exactly fashion. Exactly the same way, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but the, the house doesn't really break down. There's a roof that comes off, but other than that, you have to carry the house. And, and all four walls are and connected. Lindsay winds up with a red mark on her face that lasts the entire uh, season, well, the rest yeah. of the season. That's why I started calling her the Wicked Witch of East, Ac- East Africa. Because the house fell on her. The house fell on her. Yeah. She's, um, it's so great that a house falls on her. Yeah, it's such a it's, it's a weird challenge that it's just I, I don't know it's uh but 
this season I didn't love mini challenges, so this was uh this was a minor highlight. What's yours? What's your favorite? My favorite is the giant ball. <laughs> it's so the great. Indiana, the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost. Yeah, ball. so there's this ten foot big ball of twine or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they have to roll it through this obstacle course, which is basically this hillside and like b- bushes and stuff, and everything's at like on an incline, so the ball just goes where it wants to go. <laughs> it just goes with gravity. Mostly on top of Kim Johnson. Oh, and they have to get it from one little, you know, spot where it rests to mm-hmm. another one. And Silas goes insane. And it's just like, the object of this game is to shove this ball as hard as I can. <laughs> Regardless of what direction it's going in, what people are telling him, who it's running over. He's just running with this ball down this hill at one point, And everyone's screaming at him, Silas, stop! Oh, it's so fantastic. He's it's such an idiot. Silas in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like, just go for it at 110 miles an hour with no regard for strategy. That was yeah. my favorite challenge. Uh, did you have a best jury member? Who, who brought the most to the jury? It's kind of a weak jury. It is a weak jury. I'll just go with Tom, just for, <laughs> just for, just the hilarity of Tom. Oh my God! Like I think that I don't even remember what he says. He says, "If a hyena came into our camp and ate uh, that mush that we ate on a regular basis, and then he licked his butt afterwards, would it be due? Would the licking of his butt be due to animal instincts or to get the taste out of his mouth?" That's his whole question. And back then, they thought they had to answer every question, like like, little, like yeah. legitimately answer. So just, Ethan and Kim tried to answer yeah. the question. Kim's like, I thought the food tasted fine. We were doing the best we could, Tom. So he his vote is 100% going for Ethan. It's already chiseled in stone so by just, this point. He's just wasting He's just being He's calm. just hamming it up for the game. And up. it's enjoyable. It's the last moment of, boy, Tom was fun. Yeah. Um, my favorite jury member was actually Kim Powers because mm. she's the one who actually asked kind of a question that I cared about, which which was like, who'd you learn the most from? That actually, maybe it's not the question so much, but she's that's the question that got the best answers. And Kim Johnson actually gave a pretty good answer to that question, and uh, it wound up deciding a vote. I think it's the only question that helped decide anyone's vote other than Brandon being mad that Ethan yeah. said Brandon. Um <laughs> but again, not my favorite jury. Mostly because they were, I mean, they, they didn't really have a lot to think about. Most yeah. of them, is, is Ethan's just an easy boat. Yeah, my least favorite member of jury or finalist was Kim Johnson, who just oh. basically sat there and was like, I'm going to rake Tom over the coals because I know I don't have his vote. So she's like, sorry, Tom, to keep picking on you. And I'm yeah. sitting there screaming at the TV, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're, at you're at not at all. This is your chance to, to tell America that you think Tom's an idiot. Well, did you have uh, three things? What are your three favorite things from the season? Okay. Count them down. Okay, number three. Number three. And I th- really honestly am pushing for a new category. I don't, maybe we don't need another new category, but I need, a, if we don't have a new category, always one of the, one of these is going to be a Jeff unintentional comedy moment. <laughs> Okay. So number three is the Jeff unintentional comedy mo- moment of the blood drinking challenge where Jeff 
acts like the whole time while they're shooting the, the arrow into the cow's neck that he was born a member of the Maasai tribe. He At one is point he does. so into the telling people how much he knows about it. Let me just tell you about this, this ceremony. He says, I've spent a lot of time and I've witnessed the ceremony many times. No, no. Many times. I think they showed you once, probably, <laughs> on video. Someone else went to tape it for you. So this is my best unintentional Jeff comedy moment where he earnestly is just trying to be cool and is just not. So that's my number three. Okay. That challenge. My number three is the uh, Teresa vote for Lex right. and, and the, the fallout from yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it is it is mostly though Teresa watching, ter- cutting back from Teresa to Lex, to Teresa to Lex, and then finally, uh, can I also loop this in with Lex's gut? Well, you can do whatever you want, man. This is also going to be Lex's gut is also my favorite moment of the season because Lex constantly mentions his gut and how his gut is never wrong, and his gut basically offers the entire season. <laughs> he does bring up the gut, which comes back later. And I can't remember what Survivor season they talk about gut versus like, the <laughs> like, you know, do you go with your gut? Also, like how Ethan Ethan rubs it in a little bit at the reunion, which you haven't seen, but yeah. uh, Ethan says, uh, you know, Propes is right after he wins. Propes is like, uh, or no, sorry, Bryant Gumble says, uh, what do you uh, what what do you credit your your season to? And uh, Ethan said, well, you know, uh, you know, like uh, my ability to like. Trust other people, my, um, my, you know, um, social game. I, I, I built relationships, and I, I trusted my gut. And then he looked at Lex, and he's like, "Sorry, brought up the gut," because uh, clearly <laughs> everyone had been giving Lex a hard time about his gut instincts. Yeah, um, and his gut ends up losing the game because he's throwing up. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So Lex basically, I mean, he walks directly up to Teresa, and he's like, "You're the only one I'm sure didn't vote for me." I'm gonna. He's like, I don't think Tom did. Oh I don't yeah, think that's right. Did. He's yeah. like, but you, I know you didn't vote for me, Teresa. Yeah, it's just like He's so off. Um, yeah. So, what's your number two favorite moment? My number two favorite moment is is the hot air balloon ride, and it's um, so they win this challenge. Lex wins the challenge. And he takes Tom with him. It's not Lex on the hot <laughs> air balloon. It's Tom on the hot air balloon. Yeah. And okay, I'm gonna get a little cheesy here. This is the like back when Survivor had the moments. Of like this is what it's all about. Tom is the perfect spokesman for this season and what like Survivor has meant to him and like what going around the world has meant to him. And he basically, in so many words, says, you know, like I thought I had lived this life and I'm 45 year old, 45 years old, and I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen the world God's created yet. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's just such a great moment. It is great. Yeah. Also, they they watch that uh, one animal kill another. What is oh, it? Oh yeah. The lion they chases the lion. something yeah. into another lion's area, like yeah. like velociraptors from Jurassic yeah, Park. Totally. They get the bird's eye view of that. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, my second uh, favorite moment of the season is when Frank thinks he's an elephant. <laughs> Frank uh, is walking around outside the camp picking up some firewood, and he stops for a minute because he sees an elephant, and then he just puts his arm behind his back and waves it like a tail. He's just like, yeah, he sees me. And you look at the elephant, and the elephant's like not really looking right at him. The elephant's just like standing there yeah. way off in the distance. 
probably unconcerned with everything Frank's doing. And he's just like, he's going to think about it a little bit. He, he sees that I'm friendly. I'm just walking along. He might think I'm an elephant. Just going to wave this like it's his trunk for a minute. Like I'm an elephant. Like I'm an elephant. He, I was like, do you think elephants don't know what elephants are? Like... You think they think that, do you think all they know about themselves is like their only defining characteristic of elephant is swinging tail? Because that's what he's, can I that's conf- all he's doing. Can I confess something? Yeah. I was rooting for the elephant. I was like, maybe that bull elephant thinks that's another bull in his territory and it'll come charging at Frank and just trample him. Yeah. God, it's so it's so weird. It's just it's the most frank moment of the season for me. Really? Because my number one is a better frank. Oh, moment. what's your what's your frank moment? Who takes their their item that they can bring? What do you call that item? Uh, it's, it's your a, uh, 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 comfort item. Yeah. yeah, Frank's comfort item is a pair of deer antlers. So, my number one moment is not when Frank pretends he's an elephant. Luxury item. When Frank pretends he's two bucks fighting in the forest with a pair of antlers that he's brought. And he takes it and he he crackles them together and then bangs them on this pole. And then everybody else's confessional about, oh yeah, Frank's stick... Frank's antler fighty thing and Lindsay's is the great where she does the hand motions that do it. <laughs> Frank. Oh God. He brought he, toys. I, I, I laughed until I wept like watching it and then just went back and watched it again and laughed again until I wept. He's such a boob. It's yeah. so great. That's uh, my number one. That's good. My number one is, uh, it's the uh, I, I think it's 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 kind of a cheat because it represents more a, a, just a ton from the season. But I'm going with uh, Tom's reaction to seeing the plate for breakfast at the uh, auction, which is he has pooled his money at the auction with, with Ethan yeah. to buy a secret item, and it winds up being a huge breakfast with a bunch of different things, including ham and bacon. And Tom immediately knows what that means. He yells, he's a Jew. He won't eat the pork. The pork's all mine. And he's so excited. And Ethan is doubled over laughing at this reaction. He's like, yeah, Tom, you can. Like, I don't even know if Ethan is like a, uh, like, um, practices, like, practices, like, avoidance of pork. But at that point, he couldn't at that point. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Tom has his hopes so up for this pork, but Ethan's like, "Yeah, I'll just eat the rest. That's fine." Jeff, Jeff has to like translate. He's like, "What are you saying, Tom?" And he's yeah. like, "He's a Jew. He's a Jew. He's a Jew." <laughs> but yeah, again, boy, twenty twenty would not play well, Tom. No. But uh, but really, it's just sort of all, all the little Tom moments from yeah. the season just sort of add up for me into they're all little moments, but they're so funny. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my number one. Just the Tom of it all. Yeah. Who's our uh, MVP for the season? Why don't you go? Well, segue right into the MVP is Tom. Nice. Uh, I think Tom carries the load of this season. Like, they are stuck in a dust bowl, and it is basically pretty boring. Mm 
mm-hmm. you know, the, not really the gameplay, but some of the gameplay of it all, but how it pans out, where they are. They are lethargic because they don't eat a whole heck of a lot. The food they eat is horrible, so that's all they talk about. And boy, Tom, the lighter side of Tom, just really carries the the load of the season. Mm-hmm. It could have just been weighty and horrible, and Tom elevates it like continually throughout the season. I just I give him the put the feather right in his big old hat and call him the MVP of this. Wait, if it's Tom, you stick the feather in his butt crack. Oh, that's right. Well, I was just about to bring that up during the a challenge where they have to be seen. It's who can be best at being seen from an airplane. And Tom <laughs> thinks the Tom uh, just decides to, uh, on top of all the other stuff they've done, just stick a little feather in his butt crack and have it poking out the top. That'll help an airplane see him. They'll be like, well, we didn't notice all the rest, but there's a, a feather in that tiny little man's butt down there. My eyes might deceive me. That looks like a goat farmer with a feather in his butt crack. Yeah, uh, I love that pick. For me, it came down to two things. It was, do I choose the MVP for entertainment, or do I choose the MVP for who kind of pushes Survivor in a good direction? And there are two distinct choices. And so Tom was obviously the entertainment choice. He made this season so watchable. Um, But I wound up picking uh, Teresa Cooper instead, because I think Teresa really sets the template for uh, how future seasons are going to be played. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a way that, I mean, she's the she's the person out there to, like, I'm not going to, she's the first contestant in three seasons to just say, I'm not just going to take my loss. Yeah, we might talk about her later. So, um, anyway, uh, this uh, this season, where, where, where would your gut tell you this ranks among the first three seasons? Oh, of, among the first three seasons, I'd probably put it last. Yeah. I mean, as much as it's the close. cast like is likable, the cast is employing new strategies and new things, it just can't really overcome the setting and the production flaw kind of yeah. of it all. Yeah. Um, the challenges aren't all that great and exciting, you know? Right. Um, there are a couple of moments, but they just don't make up for you know like it just kind of duds out in some ways all right well um <clears throat> i would agree for all the same reasons it's a it's a pretty close third but it's a uh, it's third yeah um now we want to introduce a new feature oh, okay. the survivor hall of fame oh, so al, al and i have uh, we we've we've sort of retroactively done the previous bit so the what we're going to do is, after each season, we get to each pick a name, and we pick them on our own, so if we double up, then there's just one inductee for that season. But um, what we get to do is we get to choose from all survivors we have ever seen play up to this point, and we get to basically build a Hall of Fame for Survivor. So we, we went back and we did this, so after Borneo, we doubled up. We both picked Richard Hatch. It's kind of hard not to pick Richard Hatch yeah. after Borneo. He's, in, you know, we talked, we sung his praises plenty during that podcast. After Australia, uh, we went into different directions. I picked Colby Donaldson, um, who's kind of the the archetype, the first real archetype of the guy America is rooting for, America's golden boy. Also a challenge beast. Oh, yeah. Um, also a really great um, confessional 
uh, driving force of Australia when yeah. and his he's also his dry comedy is is also really really strong when he's just like you know I didn't I don't like lying but when it comes to Jerry I feel less bad about it <laughs> uh, uh, and Al picked Rudy Bosch from uh, Borneo um, and I'll tell you the reason why I think Rudy is another archetype and that's the person who goes on Survivor and is set in their ways and all of a sudden it becomes like, he's the part where the social experiment works. Yeah. Uh, you know, good or worse, it works. You know, um, he befriends a person who like, he doesn't think in any walk of life he would ever like befriend them. And he's probably right mm -hmm. because he doesn't give himself the opportunity or it just doesn't happen. But on Survivor, it does. And I... So that's why I picked Rudy. I think he he is, you know, like it for that reason. He's also sort of the he also like is kind of a you can even link him to like Big Tom because he's also the comedic driving force just because of the way he is. Oh yeah. Of season totally. one. Yeah. Um I mean Greg tries <laughs> to be, but he's he's not around as long as Rudy, for one. And that type of comedy yeah. is is very put on. Right. Whereas Rudy's Rudy comes by his very naturally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But not in a queer way. Yeah. <laughs> He'll make a point to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, post Africa. So now we, we each get to make a pick and uh, I've I've got my pick. So we have the pool of all the new contestants from Africa. We also have everyone other than Colby from Australia. And everyone other than Richard and Rudy from mm, Borneo. I'm just getting down to not cutting time, and I don't. I've got like two people in mind, and I don't really know who it's going to be. I've I've got my pick ready, so if, if you're if you're ready, mine's Big Tom. Mine is Sue Hawk. Oh, there you go. Yeah, at some point Sue had to be in this Hall of Fame yeah. just due to due to the the speech. I mean, it's the you think about all the seasons of Survivor where someone gets up at Final Tribal and that's their moment to just lay into these two winners. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, God, it all it all dates back to Sue, and none of it is ever as good as Sue. Yeah. For me, it's like, uh, it's Big Tom. It's kind of, I've already talked about it in this podcast, you know, like Tom carries a season in a lot of ways. And Tom might have gotten lost on other seasons, you know, too. Um or it may not have played as well, but like he he has the moment, the survivor moment in this in this season too. And he's just a got a joy to life. Like he lives life to its fullest, you mm -hmm. know? And um it's great to watch. Yes. Yeah. He's a character. He would have eventually been a selection of mine. Yeah. Um But that's it. Alright, well that's Africa and now, like Survivor, we'll be getting back to the beach. So Thailand. Nope. Okay. Marquesas. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really weird. So have you? I just was reading the wiki page about this. Did you know season four was originally going to be Survivor Jordan? Yes. I did not know that. And nine eleven happened. Right. Yeah. Well, nine eleven happened while right before Africa aired. But, yeah. And then they were filming in November of two thousand one. They were filming Survivor Marquesas. Uh, but I did not know that they were going to continue their globe trotting ways, and they they were like, nope, we need to go back to the South Pacific. 
Yeah. And we need to go back to the middle of nowhere. Mark Akis is in the middle of nowhere. Yes. If, I mean... I couldn't know. even tell you what country it's in. Do you know? I would guess it's part of French Polynesia? It is way out in the Pacific. Like, the Marquesas Islands. French Polynesia. So it's just a, a collective, uh, yeah. you know, a, a French territory. The French have it because maybe nobody else wanted it because it's just so far out there. Yeah. Interesting. I think yeah, it's I like no halfway between Australia and South America. So it's just technically France. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that. Survivor Jordan. Huh. That's weird to think about. Yeah. that The show might have died had they, like, I don't know. If they had not gone back to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems, I don't know. What what makes the show last is the is the game is is how the game eventually gets emphasis over the location. I think even though I like the locations and yeah. I like the I like when seasons can balance that. But Jordan, I mean, watching I don't know how people would have dressed. I don't for Survivor Jordan. And I don't know. Would people would the American public tune in to watch everybody all, you know. Covered up all the time. Well, I would think they would probably pick somewhere in Jordan that was like lusher than like maybe, not you know, not I, like desert. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. At that point, I'm I wondering why they're there. Like, that was an inadvertent like change uh, that worked out for Survivor. I think this was like the weird thing about Africa to me is like to me it's like that they're not at this like crossroads. Of like where they need to like change the game, but they're definitely coming to this crossroads, and they start to make these little changes in the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in Marcakis, the two rules that change, and we'll get into them, may or maybe not, is the immunity idol. When you win it, you can give it to somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happens in in the next one or not, or it definitely happens down the line. You know. Yeah. Um, but also the tiebreaker changes and it no longer becomes pass votes. It becomes pulling a rock. So mm-hmm. they do start to make some changes to the game. Um, and I don't know. It just feels like Africa was like this, the beginning of something like they're like, okay, we need to, we need to change, start changing stuff up, some stuff up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Africa. Um, and thanks for listening. Please subscribe, do all that stuff. I'm sure you already have if you've just listened to an hour and a half of me and Al talking about Survivor. Yeah. So I'm sure you're, you're firmly entrenched by this point. So, uh, Al, I enjoyed it as always, and I'm looking forward to watching more cases. Yeah, because, where can we watch it? I uh, know. CBS All Access yeah. and may, maybe check out Amazon Prime. It's, I, it's not on Amazon Prime. Their seasons are weird. Hulu also has odd seasons here and there. Yeah. So check out Hulu. Um, but if you have CBS All Access, that's the best way to, because uh, they yeah. have everything. Yeah, if you want to watch it with us, we'll be plowing through it in the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks and be back, you know, to talk about it after that. Also, no more Brian Gumble being a creep. What? Uh, on the reunions, he is uh, such a weirdo. Um, Another just, change they make. He, yeah. Clearly, Bryant just was bored but survivor by the end of Africa when he just realized that these girls just weren't going to get naked for him. 
So if he had just stuck he'd around, try, he'd been trying and trying. If and he boy, had just stuck around for the Amazon, three, he needed three more seasons. Yeah. What if he tried to come back? If he wrote, the, if he like called them up after Amazon, he's like, I would really love to interview Jenna <laughs> and, and Heidi. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Adios, Talky Talk Media. See Bye. ya.